This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, the show that pays tribute to people of the past by telling their stories today. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about Wilma Mankiller, a social activist whose dedication and vision helped secure a brighter future for the Cherokee Nation. The day was December 14, 1985. Wilma Mankiller took office as Principal Chief of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. She was the first woman to be elected leader of a major Native American tribe. She served in the role for 10 years, and under her leadership, the nation's education, health care, and housing services were greatly improved. If you're curious about her distinctive surname, you wouldn't be the first. She was asked about it all the time, at meetings, conferences, and press events. As she would explain, probably more often than she'd have liked, Mankiller is a translation of a Cherokee term that refers to a high military rank, like captain or major. One of Wilma's ancestors had been a warrior who guarded his village, and the term of respect that signified his role later became the family surname. Of course, no one in the Cherokee Nation would think twice about her last name, but outside of Oklahoma, it tended to raise a few eyebrows a fact that Wilma would occasionally use to her advantage. In 1993, she told the New York Times, quote, Some people do earn their names in Native culture. I didn't, but I don't always tell people that. Sometimes, I just say that Mankiller is my name and that I earned it. And I let them wonder. Wilma Pearl Mankiller was born on November 18, 1945, in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, the capital of the Cherokee Nation. She was the sixth of eleven children, and though her family's rural home lacked electricity and indoor plumbing, she later recalled that she never felt poor growing up there. That began to change in 1956, when a ten-year-old Wilma was uprooted from her ancestral home and moved to a poverty-stricken neighborhood in San Francisco. Her father, who was a full-blooded Cherokee, had enrolled in the Bureau of Indian Affairs Relocation Program. On the face of it, the federal program was meant to address the growing issue of poverty on tribal lands. Rural families were to be relocated to big modern cities, where they could, theoretically, have better living conditions. However, in reality, the program often left families worse off. Many struggled to find jobs and to adapt to a new way of living. Worst of all, the move separated Native people from the tribal communities they had known all their lives. Wilma later recalled the day her family moved to San Francisco, saying, quote, I remember as we drove to the train, I felt so sad. I wasn't excited at all. I was trying to memorize every tree and what the school looked like which flowers were blooming in my grandfather's front yard, all those sorts of things. Over a hundred years earlier, in the 1830s, federal troops had forced the Cherokee, including Wilma Mankiller's great-grandfather, 
to leave their homes in the southeast and relocate to Oklahoma. Wilma likened the traumatic event to her own government-sponsored relocation, calling it, quote, my own little trail of tears. As a teenager growing up in the 1960s, Wilma found a place among student activists in the Bay Area protest movement. She got married in 1963 and had two children, both daughters, by the time she was 20. Despite her hectic home life, Wilma still found time for social work, like helping the Black Panther Party and its mission to feed children and the elderly. Then, in 1969, a historic event changed Wilma's life and cemented her role as a lifelong activist. In November of that year, a group of Native Americans seized control of the federal penitentiary on Alcatraz Island in the San Francisco Bay. They claimed the island by right of discovery, citing an old treaty that gave Native people the right to occupy unused land in the United States. The Alcatraz prison had been closed in 1963, meaning that, according to the treaty, the land was up for grabs. The occupation of Alcatraz stretched on for 19 months and grew to include thousands of Native American protesters. The movement highlighted what it called a trail of broken treaties that had stripped Native Americans of the majority of their homelands. News of the occupation led Wilma to reckon with the grief of her own family's relocation and the effect it had on her sense of identity. She decided to join the cause and began making frequent visits to the island. She later explained, quote, When Alcatraz occurred, I became aware of what needed to be done to let the rest of the world know that Indians had rights too. More than anything, it was like coming home, and I felt that I was where I should be. In the end, the movement proved successful, affecting several positive changes in federal policy and sparking a new wave of Native American activism. Wilma Mankiller was among the many people inspired by the occupation, and she committed her life to empowering Native communities from then on. She became the director of the Native American Youth Center in Oakland, where she made it her mission to instill pride for Native heritage in the children growing up there. She also helped California's Pitt River tribe in its legal battle with an energy company that was encroaching on tribal lands. In 1977, Wilma divorced her first husband and moved back to her family land in Oklahoma along with her two daughters. There, she founded the Community Development Department for the Cherokee Nation and successfully launched a clean water and housing project that revitalized a tribal community in Bell, Oklahoma. She gained recognition for the success and was asked to be the running mate of Ross Swimmer in his 1983 bid to be principal chief. Wilma was targeted for her gender during the campaign, including several death threats, but she and Swimmer won anyway. Two years later, Swimmer stepped down to take a position in the federal government. Wilma ran the first of two successful campaigns for the top spot of principal chief, in 1985. Five years later, she secured a second term by winning 83% of all votes cast. During her time as chief, Wilma worked to break down the economic and social barriers that had kept many of her people in poverty for generations. Her policies doubled annual tribal revenue, 
growing the nation's yearly budget to a healthy $150 million by the end of her tenure. She put much of that money right back into the community, overhauling the tribal health care system and expanding educational resources. By the time Wilma left office in 1995, membership in the Cherokee Nation had grown from 72,000 members to over 170,000. Wilma Mankiller was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 1993. Five years later, President Bill Clinton awarded her the nation's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She passed away from pancreatic cancer on April 6, 2010, at the age of 64. Her life was lived in service to others, safeguarding customs and traditions, while also charting a path forward for her people. Despite her many achievements, Wilma Mankiller took a modest approach to her legacy. When asked what she hoped future generations would take from her story, she replied, I hope that when I leave, it will just be said, I did what I could. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.